0: So I ask you, what, what do you think a soul is worth? I'm going to put a price tag on it, and, and I'm sure that I'm underselling the value of a soul. But, but for the sake of practicality, I want to put a price tag on it for October 27th. And what's the cost of a ticket to trip to hell? $15. $15. And in here, see, when I went to see that Sound of Freedom movie, they did something brilliant. Brilliant. They did something brilliant. At the end of the uh, at the end of the show, they said, "Now you buy a ticket for somebody else if you think that's the truth." And I'm going to ask you to buy a ticket for somebody else, not just one somebody, but maybe thirty somebodies, or maybe maybe a thousand somebodies. But let not let not money be the reason they're not exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you what I'm going to manipulate. I'm going to manipulate this this season for God's glory. Yep, we're going to put a reaper up there and say, "Come on in." There's a spooky. There's spooky. Things here come on in and get spookified come on in and get scared everybody wants to be scared I'm gonna show you hell on earth right we're going to show you hell on earth but each scene here's the here's the there's the, the glory of it each scene unlike before each scene today will we'll behold the glory of Jesus so so when the guy goes to kill himself Jesus will show up because the prayers of his father when the man is tempted by porn Jesus will show up when he cries out to the Lord you see we're going to put Jesus in every scene and I pray that you develop a burden for that. So I'm going to ask you uh, today, above your tithe and offering, if you could help us save souls in the amount of $15. And this goes, you know, we got about two weeks to raise as much money. You know, th- this production that we're putting on, it's probably going to cost us about forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 to do it right. And, you know, like, I don't know if you've noticed, but we don't do anything little. <laughs> like, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> like when I want something big, I'm like, "Hey Lou, hey, can you uh, you work on the coffee house out there? Got it." And suddenly, it's beautiful, it's excellent, it's the standard. And so we want to do this. We want to do this production in excellence. We want we want people to be, and they come in this room, they're immersed in the glory of Jesus. So we do that, and I'm going to ask you to give for that. And then I'm going to I'm going to tell you some of the some of the needs that are on our table right now that we can't. Currently provide for, but we but it's the burden of the Lord, and we should. And that is, we have over ten thousand dollars worth of benevolence. Now, if you don't know what benevolence is, that's that's when somebody from our congregation, you know, fills out a request and says, "I'm in a place where I'm stuck. I'm in a place where I'm stuck." And we don't, we we never just say, uh, "Well, praying for you." I'm just going to tell you, we don't say that. We say, "All right, what." You know, like, how much have you, in, like, is your investment here at Church on the North Coast? So you have to qualify. I'll, I'll be honest with you. You have to serve and give here in order to qualify. But I say that, but that's not true either. Because when the needs come in and the Spirit of the Lord speaks, we're just like, all right, yeah, man, it doesn't matter. Just just meet that need. You know, meet that need. But I can tell you right now, as it stands, there's $10,000 worth of benevolence requests from the congregation. These are these are needs that come from the congregation And our, our vision for the year Some of you are looking at the clock like Dude are you going to shut up Because it's 11.35 man uh, it, There's no Browns game on today So come on So we want to, Somebody from the front row said thank God I won't tell you who it was, it was just, Thank God You can't take another loss But we want to meet those needs And, and we want to meet every need here at church High on the north coast and here's what i'll tell you uh we don't need people to give more we just need everybody to tithe and i, I guarantee you if we as a church make up our mind to live by the principle of god's word of tithe, uh, god's word of tithing there will not be a need we won't meet. We'll be able to to equip the young lady as she comes in. And we'll say, no, no, we are your resource. Forget the government. We are your resource. We'll help you raise your child. This is the work of the of the church in our hour. We'll help you raise your baby. We'll help you disciple them. We will become accountable. You, you're in our family now. I love that at our, our, our life group this week that, you know, we were able to pull into our family somebody who was kind of alone. And you know what? God has come to seek and to save those who are alone. And I'm asking you, church, if you'll help us monetarily to help meet the need of this house, this city, this region, this nation. Let's make a difference for Jesus. At the end of the age, it's not going to matter whether or not, you know, like, You know the house we lived in. What will matter is how we impacted souls for eternity, how we we fed those who were hungry, clothed those who were naked, visited those who were in jail. Let's do the work of the Lord, amen? So let's hold it up before the Lord. You're watching online. Hold it up before God, and let's bless it today. Father, bless every seed that's sown today. I pray, God, that as they sow it in the natural, they reap it. In the eternal heaven on earth for each home, with each seed that's sown, we bless your people today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. 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 You can go to your Bible and, and uh, you can put your finger in John 8, but I'm going to give you the devotional version of this sermon uh, because of the constraints of time, and I'll give you the devotional, right? So, so that means you got about 15 or 20 more minutes? No, we got more that. No? You don't want to hear the word? Give me a give me a, no. <laughs> I, I don't have two hours for that, unless Jesus says. But, okay, so so John 8, we'll, we'll start in verse 31. But before we do that, I want to bring my wife up. She's going to help me uh, bless our pastors today, our campus pastors here at Church on the North Coast. Uh, we, want to, um, we want to bless the family, uh, Louie and Rachel and Emma. We want to bless them today. Can you guys just, I don't know if you want to come up here, Rachel. I know that bothers you. So I don't want to bring you up here. But if you would come up here, eh, eh, you, no, no, no. <laughs> so if you would. So we just want to bless you today. Emma said, nope, no, nope, no, nope. I, 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 know that. And, uh, and I just wanted you, uh, I, I want to take a time, the, the time to uh, bless those who, who I know bleed in private. They won't, they don't get to bleed openly. When they go through something, they go through it alone. And, Every day of the year, they're they're present, man. They're 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 ascending into the hill of the Lord for the needs of the congregation, and I watch the sacrifices that are made that that none get to see. And so, for one like for one month and one day, I just want to ask you: Could you please stand to your feet in this in this auditorium? And give them the greatest applause of love and appreciation for all they give. Happy anniversary. <laughs> happy anniversary as well. <laughs> and, uh, and for all that you give here 's a card, man. bless you, bless you. I mean, I just have to say I, I love you, I admire you, uh, you know your family, and I just thank you for, the, for answering the call of God. And, uh, you know, for you specifically, bro, it's, it's a different call. It's a, it's a call that, that requires great courage to step not just into the shadow of such a great man as your father but to cast the shadow that's original to yourself. I recognize the the pressure that's attached there. And with all of my heart, I say, I love you, and I thank you. You know that? I love you, and I thank you for everything you do for God's people. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. Thank you, Emma. I love you. (laughs) And uh, and, uh, also wanted to recognize our connection pastors here at Church on the North Coast, Dr. Cynthia, your tireless work. We bless you as well this morning. And, Doctor, and and uh, Pastor Skip, we bless you as well. Thank you so much for all that you do. One more time for all of our pastors here at Church on the North Coast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for all the funerals you do, all the weddings you do. Uh, I feel bad for Pastor Skip because... You know like I've gotten to the place in my ministry where like I just don't do weddings anymore and I rarely do funerals and, and they'll call and they'll be like can you do a funeral I'm like if I do your funeral you got to know if I do a funeral for your family you got to know I love you and, and 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 you know if I do a wedding you got to know man I love you because I just don't do them anymore I'm just like I'm done man I did enough of those and and I know you know like I just don't want to do them so I just I dish them off you know I'm like I'm sorry but I, I can't do this because I can. and they and they pick up the they they pick it up and I just thank you Thank you for picking up in the ministry and covering our people. Thank you for covering our people with the love of Jesus and prayer. and I just, I just appreciate you. I appreciate all of our volunteers here at Church on the, uh, Church on the North Coast. And I, and I say this, like, don't feel obligated to give uh, because, uh, today to, to our pastors because we, I make sure monetarily we, we bless our pastors. Like, I, it's so important that they feel valued, that they feel empowered, and so I, uh, we do our best. So I just ask you, just keep tithing, and we'll be able to keep uh, performing the work of the Lord. Are you ready? Let's go to John 8. I know it's late, man. It's 1142. Man, we're out here, out here living on the edge. I got to go to Cleveland today, too. So, so you know you're protected in some regard. You know, this guy can't preach for more than 15 minutes today. He's, he's done. I'll give you the devotional of this. And, and uh, John 8 31 to 32, and the, the title here is, is to stay in Jesus. Stay in Jesus. Church, I want to encourage you. Don't come out. I don't care what happens. You got to stay in. You got to stay in the ark. Don't come out of the house. I don't care what sounds you hear on Passover. Don't come out. Stay in Jesus, it's so important that we remain in Jesus. John eight, thirty one to thirty-two says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, He's talking to the church. He's not talking to, to this world, he's talking to you. And he says, if you this might be top three scriptures, I believe, in, in the word that you could put in your spirit to, to keep you in Jesus. It says, if you abide in my word. If you abide in my word, you are my, come on, disciples. Mm. I don't have time to touch that, but that's something that, like, you're a disciple if you do what? Abide in his word. And you you shall, here's where it gets intriguing. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. If you abide in my word. I want to bring a definition to the word abide. Of course it means remain, to stay, to, to uh, make it a habitation. But, but here's what I, I want to tell you. To abide in the Word means to live in the Word and the person of Jesus until He becomes your first reality. He says, if you abide, if you live in Me, If you'll come into me, how do you do that? This is where all of our, this is where we we, we are balanced in the word. Because you, you can't just worship to abide in the Lord. You must know, you must abide in this. It's the logos. You must abide here. You must You must live in this so much so that it becomes your first reality. There there is a first reality that we all live, and there is a second reality that we all live. Right now, like like overwhelmingly, the Christian lives in the second. The Christian believes that this is my reality, and, and then and then when this reality (laughs) Pushes me and perplexes me and brings me circumstances and crushes me and pressures me and angers me and frustrates me. Then I take my, my, my reality from here and I take it, I take it into the second reality, which I label as Jesus. I, so I take my, my first reality then is the world. I take my first reality of the world and I bring it to my second place reality. And then when I go to church, I dump all that stuff off when I go to church. So I bring, I bring out of my first reality all of my pressure, all of my pain, all of my trouble, all of my sorrow, all of my heartache, and I bring it, to, I bring it then to my second reality, and I make Jesus my second reality. This is how we live. So we, when we're over here in, the, in our first reality, we go through things, we go through things, we go through more things, and then Sunday comes, and, and we, we say, preacher, preach the word, preach the word. <laughs> And then we take, our, we take our first reality and we bring it into Jesus. And we go, oh, Jesus, whew, I've had a heck of a week, man. Let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you how the enemy's been attacking me. Let me tell you what hell I've gone through this week. Let me lay it all down at your feet. And we bring our first reality into what our second reality is. And that we make Jesus our second reality. And then when we're done with church, we... <laughs> Do, do, boop, boop, boop. Thank you, Jesus. And we come down here in the mire, and the muck, and we live here, and we go through some more. We, we get the phone calls. We get, the, we get all, we're we, we on Facebook again. We get back on Instagram, and we, we start reading the lies again. We start reading them lies again. And Jesus, he says something so startling here. He says, if you will make that your reality first... If you'll remain, if you'll live in me until I, if you'll live in my word. Now I want to say something here. This and him are the same. They are one. He said the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. The word was God, the word was with God. These are the same. So, so it's, it's important that you recognize that you can't just live in logos without presence. That if you're going to be in the logos of God, then, then you, must, you must equally accept the presence and the person of Jesus. And Jesus said, if you remain, abide in my word then you will do what? You'll know truth. Could this be? Could this be? Why? Could this be, Dr. Cynthia, why the church is so fuzzy on whether or not we should be murdering the unborn? Because if, he says if you abide here, if you abide there, if you make that your first reality and the world your second reality, then, then that reality will define your first reality. So there'll be no word that will come to you that will deceive you because if you're, if you remain in Jesus, then you will know the but if you abide more in this world more than you do him, then you will know some of the truth. You'll know 99% of the truth, but somebody, some one of the I think it was Charles Spurgeon who said, truth is truth is the ability to to, to recognize the one percent that's not the truth. And so I'm gonna. I'm going to remain in Jesus so I know truth. And if I know truth, truth will then, see, truth will then set me free. The person and the word of Jesus will bring freedom to addiction freedom it will set me free so those who just dwell in the world so if you dwell in the world more than you do Jesus then deception and bondage are the results it's inevitable this is what Jesus is saying without saying it he's saying those who abide in me will experience truth and they will experience freedom but those who won't abide in me they will experience deception They will be deceived. They will believe they're right, but they will be deceived because they will not have the ability to discern between the lie and the half-truth. They'll they'll think they know the truth, but they won't know the truth because why? Because they spend too much time outside of me and not enough time inside of me. And Jesus said, "I I want my disciples to come into me and live this way. Live in me. Live in me. And then, and then when trouble comes, come on, Dan, bring me some trouble. You got some trouble? Bring me some trouble. Bring me some trouble. Bring me some I'm trouble. I'm in Jesus. Like, I'm in here. I'm with Jesus. I'm, I'm in the word. I know the truth. I'm set free. I'm in the presence of God. I'm in the liberty of God. And then trouble comes knocking. And, and what I won't do is I, I, what, what I got to stop doing is coming out of him. To deal with the trouble. And, and how many know that when trouble comes knocking, knock again, trouble, what we most of us do is we we lose it. I lose my salvation. These people cut me off again. And you're out, out there on the road and you're telling people they're number one, and you're thinking murderous thoughts. Or your kids do something, and they and trouble you. And your kids do something, and you come out of Jesus. You say, "I've got a filth flying fella, can't stand you." Know? And you have a carnal yeah. fit. You ever have a carnal fit? Nobody look around. Nobody say nothing. to nobody, I know you have. Some of us have carnal fits the moment we get in the car after church. Can't stand it, preacher up there talking about. You can't stand the way you breathe. Could you just quit breathing that way? The carnal fit. Why? Because we temporarily went into our second reality, and we were relieved temporarily. But then when the trouble came knocking, and we came out and, and, we came out and said, what's the trouble? What's the trouble? No, anger. Anger 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 i'm angry it's anger. it's angry you're dealing with anger and then we come out of that and we say yeah yeah i'm angry too (laughs) you know let's be angry together i had no right anyway they don't know Jesus. Their feet stink. Who cares? We should leave. We, you know what we should do? We should walk away from all of them. Can't stand them hucksters and fakesters anyway. They're all just a bunch of do-gooders who, who really just live in lies. Can't stand those people. Yeah, can't stand them. So let's just, let's just comfort one another in our deception. Doesn't it feel good? Yeah, it does feel good momentarily. A couple of days go by, though, and you're like, Man, I'm tired of feeling this way. And then church comes around on Sunday, and, and uh, if, you survived, if you survived the deception and the bondage, you make it back. You make it back. And, and you survived, you, you, you go in, you know, and then the words there, and the person of Jesus shows up, and then, and then you feel good. You come out, you come out of Jesus, and you feel good. How do you feel? I feel amazing. I feel amazing. And then and then and then we said, "Well, let's just go back to our old life then. Come on, let's just go back to. Monday comes around and we just we just thank you. Thank you, Dan And then we just go back to living our first reality. But Jesus says, "I want you. If you want freedom. How many want freedom? Come on, how many want to win for Jesus? I want to win for Jesus." And if you want to win, if you want freedom, then what it's going to what's going to cost you is the temporary pleasure of scrolling on Facebook, the momentary satisfaction of dopamine rushing through your body of the drink, and what he says is if you'll just if you'll take that temporary euphoria that you receive through the world and you'll live if you'll make me your habitation rather than your visitation he said why can't i put it down why can't i keep my words right why can't i get rid of the anger how come i can't get rid of the offense because we make him our visitation rather than our habitation and Jesus is saying if you want to be free how many want to be free I want to be free I want to be free from all the offense and the anger and the vitriol that's in the world today I want to walk into the midst of people and I want to carry the glory of God if you want to be free then you have to turn what once was your visitation into a habitation you got to remain you have to make his presence your home and you don't come out. Tell, tell the devil, I'm not coming out. Say it. I'm not coming out. Jesus is my first reality. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. I don't live anymore. How do I live now? In there. And I don't. Troy, the, the Troy that you knew lived out there, but now Troy has died. And now the only life Troy has, the only life Caleb has, the only life Dan has is the life that we find in Christ Jesus. There is no life out here, but there is life in here. Life not, life is. Life not, life is. And if you can understand that life and life more abundantly will never come through the temporary dopamine of this world, then you will find, you will fight for the presence in the Word of God. You will fight to get back there. You will wake up and you will run there. You will, in the midst of trial, you will run to the presence of God. But how many run to the doctor? How many run to the psychologist? How many run to their friends? Tell me what I want to hear that satisfies my carnal man. Romans 13, 14 says, but put on Jesus and make no provision for your. Oh, oh, man, have you ever caught yourself making provision for something? You knew? Sometimes I sit around and dream about pizza. I mean, I, I, and donuts. You know, I love donuts. Sometimes I sit around, and I think about, oh, a donut would be so good right now. I think, and if you think on it long enough, you think on it long enough, and next thing you know, you got your keys in your hand. It's the middle of the night, and you drive into the local, gro- the local gas station, you know, one of them good ones, like, you know, like, like, Love's Gas Station. You been to a Love's Gas Station? Man, a loves gas station. You get an iron board Elvis Presley T-shirt. You can, buy, you can buy a 69 Camaro there. You can, like, you can go to a Love's gas station and get anything you need when you need it. And next thing you know, you're traveling 15 minutes just to get yourself some donuts or just to satisfy or, 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 or perhaps let me make it a little more nefarious. It's the middle of the night and you saw something earlier and that flashes, it flashes, it flashes, and there's a spirit that pulls you out of bed and brings you and then you suddenly open it up and you start, you start entertaining You start looking at it. You start looking at it. And now suddenly, you're making provision for your first reality. And what's Jesus say? Don't make provision for your first reality. Make me your first reality. Make provision for the Spirit. Becca, this morning we got up and she said, what are you wearing? I said, I don't know, I didn't really think about it yet. She said, well, I'll tell you what time it is right now. You know, you got, you got 15 minutes, and you better be in the shower. What's she saying? Prepare. You, you, it's time to start preparing. She's my Holy Spirit. Time to start preparing. Amen. <laughs> hey, if you didn't get one, you need to get one. The Holy Spirit, like my wife, you need to get one. You, you need to start preparing. Make, you need to make provision for your spirit, not your carnal man. Make, make provision for it. So you got to know the truth. We know that this is possible. Let me tell you how I know this is possible. Because of Enoch. Because of Enoch. Enoch. It says that Enoch walked with God. He made God his first reality. And he was not. So God said, you just come up here. You're, I'm your habitation there. I'm your habitation here. And and we know and this is before look at me this is before jesus enoch was able to make god his habitation rather than his visitation before the revelation of christ who makes all things possible in the believers life so i know if enoch did it come on somebody say if enoch did it i can do it if enoch made his ha- that god his habitation then i can make god my habitation The reason you can't quit is because you visit and not abide. And let me tell you what storms do. Here's what storms do. Everybody doesn't like storms, but storms reveal where you live. Storms of life reveal where you're living in the spirit. If a storm comes and you run to the temporary satisfaction of the world, then the storm is telling you, hey, get out of there. Get into Jesus. you got to get into Christ. The storms aren't there to condemn you. The storms are there to awaken you and say, hey, you, you, your, your gaze is wrong. Your attention is wrong. I need you. Look, look, The storms, next time pressure comes, next time pain comes, next time offense comes, I want you to recognize it for what it is. It is a force given to you, permitted by God, brought to you by the enemy that forces you back into the presence of God, the reality of Jesus. You know, Moses, Moses went into God's presence. He was in God's presence, there in glory, on that mountain. And when he came down, he brought glory with him. He brought the glory of God with him. And sometimes you're going you to know, you're going to need to know, like, it's got to be so in you that no matter what happens or pushes on you, glory comes out of you. Glory flows out of your words. Glory flows out of your gaze. Glory is in your thoughts. There's this principle that I've recently become familiar with. It's called the, 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 second, the, the second word principle. Right? It's this, this reality. It's like this. It's this reality that says, like, you and I are not in control of our first thought. We're not in control of that. We're in control of the second thought, right? So, so when the first thought comes, you got to take every thought captive. You got to take it to Jesus. You got to get in Jesus. Now, here I'm going to tell you something, and and this is where this was a this was a a psychological kind of principle that they were saying you're not in control of this, but you are in control of the second thought. So you should like you should like ascend and make you you know like it was was all humanism, but I, I recognize the word in it. So, so you, you, when the first thought comes, you're gonna, you're gonna die. This is, this is, this is cancer, and it's gonna spread, and, and then the next thing you know, it's gonna be stage four, and, and you know what, you're gonna die. You got so many, you, you have so many days to live. That's first thought right? So the Bible tells us to take every thought captive to the obedience. So I take that thought and I run, I run into the presence of the Lord. I run into the presence of the Lord. And I say, God, give me, I bring this thought to you. And I say, God, Jesus, give me the thoughts that are yours, not of the world. And and he gives me his thoughts. And if that, and I'm telling you, if that interaction happens long enough in your life, what will begin to happen is your mind will become renewed in the Lord. And suddenly your first thoughts will be his thoughts. Your first impression will be his impression. And you will become renewed in the spirit of the living God. And whenever a confrontation comes to you, you used to react the world's way, but now you've been in the presence of God so much that he is your reality. And when the doctor says what the doctor says, you can look back at him confidently and boldly and you can declare, I shall live long in the earth, satisfied to the ends of my days. By his stripe, I am healed. You will not even flinch. Make Jesus your first reality. But I tell you, you're going to have to fight for it. You, I... I I do not make this easy. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that to remain in Jesus is simple. It is not. It is not easy. For the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. The only force you got is him. The only strength you have is his. Why? Because you are no longer alive, but your strength comes from the Lord. He lives now in you. He is the source of your strength. He is the source of your life. And as long as you abide, make him your habitation, and all things are possible. So you have to fight. So here's some things I need you to to write down that you're going to fight for. First of all, you're going to fight to stay. Fight to stay in Jesus. I'll never, I'll never forget how this became so real to me. It became so real to me. When somebody that's very precious to me, um, a, a, a pastor, a pastor to me, pastor to me, uh, Pastor Greg Ball, it's a pastor to me. When he, when he died, and he was suspended between earth and heaven. Some of you remember that. For three days, he was suspended. He was in between heaven and earth. And I can, I can vividly remember forcing myself to stay in prayer. Not spiritually, like I didn't, I didn't say, well, I'm going to you know, pray for him one time. And then, you know, and then, no, no. There was this active Prayer that I I stayed in for three days. I stayed in this place of prayer. When I would feel my mind going other places, I'd pull it back and I'd say, I say, Jesus, you are the life, you are the resurrection, and you are power. I declare life over Pastor Greg. I declare he is my friend, he is my brother. I, I declare Jesus come alive. And I would I would pray and I would pull myself. Every time I come out, I pull myself to go back in. And I was in that place so much. Here's what here's what happened. I was in that place so much. I was fighting for that place so much that I went to get. My, my daughter from school I went to get my daughter from school and, and I, walk, I get out I get out, I was, I was driving a minivan Ugh, I just threw up in my, like. <laughs> they shouldn't be allowed to be, exist you know electric cars and minivans should be no 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 we don't need those anyway so, so I get out of my wife's minivan I was driving my hood and I, and I open up and, and I shut it right and I go inside and I get my little girl and she's trailing behind me and I'm just walking and I'm praying I'm praying I'm praying for my, my friend my pastor I'm praying for him praying and I see this, this van in front of me and I open that door without even hesitating I open that door and I go oh whoa oh, oh, whoa oh. whoa And I I was so in the world of faith that I almost sat on the lap of a woman who was driving a gray minivan like my wife's. She looked at me. She said, what are you doing? I said, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. I was praying. and I'm sure I confused her so much. I'm sure she was so confused. Like, you were praying. She was mad. She was so mad. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So you got to stay in them. And it's a fight. You gotta pull your mind back. It drifts a little bit. Pull it back. Drifts a little bit. And I'm not telling you this is easy. I'm telling you this is this is like this is gonna be hard. But if you'll teach your mind to stay in Jesus, like suddenly your thoughts will be thoughts of victory. Suddenly your your posture will become one of power. Suddenly your, your intentions will be good. So, you gotta fight and not come out. You gotta fight to stay in. You gotta fight for fellowship. You gotta fight for fellowship. Fellowship. Daniel, come here, man. Fellowship, right? I love this kid, man. I love you, man. You're, you're, I love you. you gotta fight for fellowship. That when. <laughs> <laughs> going into the presence of Jesus, Daniel. Yeah. You gotta fight for it, you know, and you say like I saw you over there, man. Like but you got you gotta fight for fellowship that'll take you to the presence of the Lord. You gotta fight for friends that will say, man, no, man, let me tell you, I I know what God's doing, and I know it's hard, but I just want you to stay in here with me for a little bit. We're going to stay in here. We're we're not going to come out of here, and you need to fight. Come on out, Daniel. You need to fight. You need to get yourself around some friends that when you're in trouble, they'll lay you at the feet of Jesus. They'll beat down the door of the enemy, and they'll take you to the, say, man, no, we need to go here. Well, the doctor said, the doctor said, that's first That's first reality. Our first reality is Jesus. That's that's second reality. Let's go, let's go in here. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> you got to get you some friends that know Jesus. You got to separate yourself from the reality of the, of the, the second reality of this world, this, this temporary reality. And I want you to know, if your friends don't know Jesus, they're living in the matrix and they got nothing good for you. Only thing they got is you. They got you, but you can't go to them. You got to get yourself around a tribe. This is why you got to stay in a tribe. This is why you got to remain in a place and you got to quit jumping all around and stuff, you know what I mean? You got to stop quitting on your friends just because they say something that challenges you, man. You got to stop walking away from people just because there's some confrontation in the in the relationship. You got to remain there. Any chump can walk away. But the church ought to be the place where you're like, man, I don't care where you've been, bro. I don't care what hell you've been in. Come on with me. I got you forever. Church ought to be the most loyal people in the world to Jesus. And that loyalty. You see, what's wrong with our country is this. Our, our country. Has gotten to the place. Look at me. Our country has gotten to the place. Where our country. Defines our religion. Yeah. We must be people. Whose religion. Forms. Her country. It's time for the church. to. They're just going to Cleveland. Form. They're telling you it's time to go. It's time to form the nation. How, do, how does the church form the nation? We got to get in. We got to get in. So you got to fight for fellowship. You got to fight for a word. There are going to be some days you wake up and you'll have to fight for a word. Say, God, give me a word. God, give me a word. You can't live any day without a word. Just know, a day must have a word attached to it. Yeah. Come on, Church of the Living God. A day, every day must have a word from Jesus in it. If you wake up and you don't get a word from the Lord in your, in your private devotional time with the Lord, don't, don't handle the day. I'm gonna ask you not to touch the day until Jesus, through his word, touches you. You need the touch of God's person upon his word. Don't touch the day until you touch, until he touches you with his word. And, and fourthly, you're gonna to have to learn to fight through apathy for presence. Routine does this. You do something over and over and over and over and over. You go to church, you go to church, you go to church, you do this, you read your Bible, you pray. You... Routine creates apathy, and apathy creates boredom. So you, so, but disciples of Christ know how to fight through apathy. If you're disciplined, this is what discipline means. Discipline means I fight even though I don't want to do it, I do it anyway. Even though I don't want to run five miles, I don't care, I do it anyway. I didn't sleep for two days because I know now why, but but there was two days leading up to the men's event, I didn't sleep. And then, you know, you go to the men's event and you're sleeping in a tent and you're at an angle and you can't sleep there anyway. So, <laughs> two days, two days I didn't sleep. And then, and then I realized when the Israel, when Israel, that, that happened, the spirit of God was just It it couldn't rest. I couldn't rest. I'm like, what's happening? I I was so discontent. I'm like, my wife's like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I don't know. I wish I knew. I think, you know, they say men don't have menstrual cycles, but I think we do. (laughs) Maybe don't put that in the tape. You know what I mean? I don't know. (laughs) Women, I knew I was like, I was like, I don't even like me right now. I don't want to be around me. I can't stand me right now. I want, to, I want to go to sleep and not wake up till I feel better. And I just couldn't sleep and I was crabby and cranky and I was so negative and I was, like, I was fighting to keep my mouth shut and I just felt apathetic. I just felt apathy and then, you know, I was like, well, you know, like somebody said, well just don't do it. I'm like, I can't not do it. I know the dangers of not. I know the dangers of succumbing to apathy. Succumbing to apathy is more uncomfortable than pushing through it. And you got to teach yourself this. Pushing through it is worth it. Pushing through it is worth it. So yeah, there will be some days where you want to punch somebody in the throat. I'm sorry, that's me. And you have to pray for me, I get saved. Good saved, as my friend Michael Sanford would say. But you got to push through that. And you have to push yourself into his presence. So fight to not come out. Fight for fellowship. Fight for a word. And fight through apathy for presence. Let's pray. And as we prepare to pray, I want to say this. Ask, these are questions to ask yourself every day. What is Jesus saying to me every day in this word? Where am I? Second question, where am I? Where am I? Are you in Jesus or in the world? Ask yourself that. Is Jesus my first reality or is the world my first reality? Where am I? Number three, learn to say this throughout the day. Hey, Jesus. Learn to say it. Hey, Jesus. Yeah, because in my home there's an Alexa and we're always like, hey, Alexa, and then she'll talk, and she's full of indoctrination, man. She's poison. So I was like, man, just like I say, hey, Jesus, I got to learn to teach myself to say, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, how often do you seek his person? I said, what? You're seeking his person. Hey, Jesus, I just want to make sure you're close. My son will be, like, if we go upstairs or something, or he's, you know, if he, he's in the other room, he, he'll be like, hey, Daddy, where you at? He'll be on the toilet, you know, and I'll be running through the house. Hey, Daddy, where you at? And I'll come in. i said, say, what you need? He said, nothing. Just wanted to know where you were. This is how we should be with Jesus. Hey, Jesus, where you at? I need to. can you come here? Can you just come in the room with me? I'm going through something. Okay, like, hey, Jesus. Because frequency of intimacy always indicates the health of any relationship. Hey, Jesus, where are you? Number four, watch what you're doing today. What you doing today? Ask yourself, what you doing today? Does my schedule revolve around Jesus? Or does Jesus, am I asking Jesus to revolve around my schedule? Am, am I revolving around him? Or do I say, hey, Jesus, I got this going on today. Could you just revolve around it? Hey, what you doing today? Troy, Troy what you doing today? If, if Jesus isn't the center of what you're doing, stop doing it. Well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You're in control of your life. Nobody else. Just stop doing it. Well, that's going to cost me a lot of this or that. Well, then this or that, uh, is this or that worth Jesus? No, it's not. What are you doing today, Troy? I'm, whatever Jesus is doing, that's what I'm doing. And number five, lastly. What do I say about my problems? What do I say about them? Right? Meaning, whose words do I recall about my problem? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because whosever words, whatever word you recall, defines the reality you live in. So, let's pray. Stand to your feet with me as we close today. We're going to close in silence today, because there's no worship team for some reason, but that's okay. Come on. Come well, right there where you're at. Let's pray. We're just going to pray a practical prayer together. It says, Jesus, you don't have to repeat after me. You say it to yourself. Jesus, I'm not coming out. Come on, right there between you and Jesus, make it, make it known. Jesus, I'm not coming out. I'm staying in. I'm staying in fellowship with the church of the living God. No matter what happens, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to walk away. No matter how offended I am, I realize that this is your body. That you are the head of this body, and I'm not walking away. I'm not quitting. I'm staying in fellowship with people who will bring me into your presence. When I'm wrong, when I'm offended, who will bring me into your presence. Forgive me for severing relationships. Forgive me for not paying attention. Forgive me. Jesus, your word is my my daily bread. I'm going to fight for it. I'll fight for your word. I won't touch a day without your word. I'll fight for a word from God for every day that I touch. And I'll trust that that you'll touch me in every word. Every time I touch that Bible, God, you will touch me, Jesus. I believe you will touch me. And Jesus, I'm going to fight through the not want to, the apathy, the boredom. And I'm going to push through the routine because I need your presence. I need your presence. Bless your people today, Jesus. Thank you for the church of the living God that's alive and well in the earth and stands strong upon your word. Teach us. Teach us to abide, to make your person and your word our habitation rather than our visitation. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me new. I give you my life. Take it now. Change this world for your glory name. Amen. Thank you today. Can you put your hands together for Jesus? Thank you for spending about 40 minutes longer than you. Well, when I preach. Anymore. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. Thank you for being here today. God bless you. 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 God bless you, church.